Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey, if you have your Bible, I'm going to preach a 28-minute sermon this morning, whether you believe it or not. Grab your Bible this morning, and I want to share what God has laid on my heart for this week. We're going to be in Genesis 3. We are going to be in uh, James 1. We're going to be in Luke for a little bit. You go, I've got most of the passages, I think, on the screen, but go ahead and grab your Bibles, and you can jump into this and uh, follow along as you like. How, you don't have to raise your hand. In fact, I'd probably just soon you not tell me, but how many of you know somebody in this world or have... Uh, if you're married to them, I really don't want to know, that just does not believe in oral hygiene. They just don't ever brush their teeth. You, have you ever ran across somebody like that? It's like, you know, that whole brushing your teeth thing's just, that's really just a suggestion. That's optional. You just don't really, you, you know, I, I, as I got this message together, I was trying to figure out a way, Lord, how can I explain the, the, the importance of what I want to share this morning, what you've given me, and, and I thought, you know, brushing your teeth is kind of a big deal, and I can remember from the time I was, as far back as I can literally remember, my parents taught me, you brush your teeth in the morning, you brush your teeth at night, it's just what you do, and you're going to have to do it for, for your whole life. There's never going to come a moment in life where you stop brushing your teeth. It's important. And, I, and then I got thinking, you know, that may not be a really good, because I'm thinking of my grandma. She didn't have any teeth. She had dentures. And, but then I thought, you know, I remember being um, intrigued by my grandma because she would still clean her teeth. She just popped them out of her mouth and put them in this glass. She had this glass, and she popped a little fizzy thing in there, and she'd throw her dentures in there overnight. And she still cleaned her teeth every single day. It's one of those things you just got to always do. My message this morning is about something that's very similar to that. It's called temptation. Now listen, Christian, you're never going to have a time in your life where you're not going to have to take temptation seriously and deal with it. It's a reality. It will be a reality until the day you step into eternity and receive a glorified body, and all of a sudden no longer it's an issue. But as long as you're living on this earth, you're going to have to be aware of temptation. It's a big deal. I'm going to tell you how big a deal it is, and I'm going to show you scripturally why I say this if you don't follow me. It's a big deal because it's a matter of life and death. Now, now look, um, if you don't brush your teeth, there are consequences. You're going to have stinky breath, and you're always the last person to know, always. You're going to struggle to get a date. You're going to struggle to find a spouse unless you find somebody that feels the same way you do. Then I don't know. Maybe that even works out. I don't really know. But, but I, every year I go for a, a regular checkup at my doctor, and, and he always asks me, are you having any problems with your teeth? I, apparently there's some serious health things that go along with tooth decay. I didn't, who knew? But apparently there is. It's, it's a big deal. But what I want to talk about this morning, temptation, is also a big deal. It is a matter of life and death. And I've entitled this message this morning, Please, and I, I, I mean this sincerely as somebody that cares about you, please choose not to die. I know that's a profound statement. It should be self-evident. Although, those of you that have lived enough, enough life to to see people in their latter years, years or even younger years that have gone through traumatic things, there can come a point where death can be a, a blessing. I understand that. But for most of us, please choose not to die. 
I don't want you to take this message lightly today. There's a passage in Luke 4. It's the story of Jesus and his temptation. I, I want to read a couple verses. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And get this this morning, it's not just you, obviously, that is going to deal with temptation every day of the rest of your life. Jesus himself had to deal with that. And I think if we really want to appreciate this, let's go back to the beginning. This is a human thing, a humanity thing. In Genesis chapter 3, we read this. Now the serpent said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the servant, serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the, in the garden, fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you please choose not to die. Say, Pastor Barry, we're all going to die. Okay, if that's where your mind is gone, then let me just step back for a second. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about spiritual death. Physical death can be a horrible thing, and it's always a sad thing, but spiritual death so many millions of times worse because it's forever. Please choose not to die. We read on in Genesis 3, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. There's the lie. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. We always have this picture of Eve eating and then going and finding Adam. He was standing there right beside her. He was with her, it says. I almost see it. Devil comes along, Satan, serpent comes along, and Adam's like... You go first. We know what God said. He says he's lying. You try it. That's a pretty poor husband, right? Adam had some things to deal with, but that's another sermon probably sometime. She took of its fruit and ate, and, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. One more passage, James chapter 1. We see Jesus on, with a battlefield of the desert. He's in the desert. We see Adam and Eve in the battlefield of the garden. And we see that in each case, it was the serpent or Satan who came and tempted them. But let's look at James and see what it says about you and me, where we live. Verse 14 of chapter 1, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth, y'all see it? Death. Please choose not to die. This battlefield, we can see with Adam and Eve, it was the garden. We can see with Jesus, he was in the wilderness. We can see, though, when it comes to where we live, you know where the battlefield really falls? Right here and right here. Just like you get up and brush your teeth every day, you've got to guard this and this from temptation. Please choose not to die. Please choose not to die. James puts it this way, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. 
right here and right here. This is the battlefield that we fight, the mind and the heart. And we read James, and we see in James there's a process to death. It's, it's not that you just wake up one morning and say, you know what, today I think I just want to spiritually die. Right? You, you don't just wake up one day and say, you know what, today I think I want all my teeth to fall out. It'd be kind of weird. Right? I don't. It's a process. It's a choice. It's steps. It's step by set step. James puts it this way, but each person is tempted... Step one, he's tempted. He's lured and enticed by his own desire, battlefield. Then desire when it is conceived. So desire, temptation, desire uh, in our own hearts, in our own minds. When, when, it, when it comes to a place of conception, gives birth. There's conception, then there's birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown. So it's a matter of temptation, desire becomes conception. It's conceived within us, and then it's given birth. And then that birth, the birth of that sin within us, it grows and when it's fully grown, it brings forth death. It's a process. It's death, it's birth of sin, it's the conception of sin. Can, can I make, a, 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 again, another self-evident statement, sort of, here? To avoid them, you better know what causes them. If you want to avoid having a baby, giving birth... Very, very helpful to know how that comes about. If you think it's in the water, you're setting yourself up for a problem. Right? If you want to avoid conception, it's really helpful to know what causes that. If you want to avoid spiritual death, it's helpful to know what brings on the birth. It's helpful to know what brings on the conception. It's helpful to know how I got into this situation in the first place. Kind of self-evident, I know, kind of obvious. But how many people unknowingly choose to die because they've not learned or chosen to daily deal with temptation, conception, birth? And I'm not talking about sexual things there. I'm talking about spiritual conception, Right? Spiritual birth of evil in our hearts and in our lives. When I was a kid, I grew up on uh, State Road 6, just on the north side of Napanee. And it was an extremely busy highway. Trucks, it, you, there were, it, it, was a, it, was, it was a state road and it was a main thoroughfare and it was 35 mile an hour speed limit, but semis up and down that street all day long. It was the main way from Napanee to Elkhart, which is a big industrial corridor up there. Before the 20 bypass, especially, that was the case. You would not only have semis driving, you'd have a lot of car traffic. You would have a lot of the big, you ever see the big mobile homes, the, the modulars, the oversized loads, they would come through there as well. I grew up in a place, in a house, where it was probably from about right here to probably that first row, um, maybe the second row, was where the edge of the highway was. That was my house. My parents, this is why we have parents, my parents knew that when I was three and first moved into that house, I had no idea the danger of going and playing along the street or in the street. So you know what they did? They taught me. They showed me. They protected me. 
They kept some things in place to keep me from getting in a situation where I was going to die. And our Heavenly Father does the same thing for us. And, and when we come and start dealing with temptation and conception of sin and, and birth of sin that leads to death, the same thing's true. God comes along and He gives us just some good common sense that don't do those things. I, I firmly believe this. I, I, I believe this with all my heart that when the Word of God is properly understood, it is the best way. It is the most effective way. It's the most empowered way. It's the safest way to live our lives. You can say amen. But it's not just the Word of God that, that our Heavenly Father gives us to keep us out of that highway. It's things like the Holy Spirit, You ever hear his voice? He ever tell you no? Did you ever choose to disobey anyway? Usually when the Holy Spirit says no, it's because I'm facing a moment of temptation in my life. Holy Spirit, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the word of God. You, you know, I'm, I, I really, and I, I think you guys probably have picked this up with my preaching over the last seven or so years. I really have some deep concerns about the church in the West, the church in America, because we have more access to the word of God than we've ever had in all of history, literally in all of history, yet we probably read it less than at any other time. He gives us the word of God, and yet we let it sit on the shelf. My parents would come and talk to me. My parents would teach me. They would tell me things. Don't go play on the highway. You're not allowed out there. Let me, I'm going to discipline you. If I would have chose to ignore them, if I would have chose to not listen, if I would have chose to have gone and done my own thing anyway, would it be any surprise to anybody that I would have ended up in the middle of a road with a tragedy? Yet how many times is that the way we choose to do? We don't read the Word of God consistently, faithfully. We don't dig deep into it to understand it. We don't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll give you one more that God gives us to keep us from that place of temptation so we can choose not to die. It's the church. Now, I appreciate this morning the irony that I'm saying this to those of you that are here on a Sunday morning, but we've become a culture, a people, a church in the West, in America in particular, that if we're in church one time or two times, if we're in the house of God one time or two times, if we hear the Word of God preached one time or two times a month, we're probably average or a little above. Don't take lightly the things that God has put in place to keep us from that place of temptation, to keep us from a place where temptation conceives and, and temptation that's conceived becomes sin and grows. Don't take those things lightly. It's important we know the battlefield. It's important we understand the things that God's put in place. Let me do this this morning. I just want to share briefly with you four things, four truths that, that will help to keep you safe. And again, the first two are kind of self-evident, I think. The first one is this. If you, if you want to avoid... How many of you like to choose not to die? Anybody in this room? Is that fair? Right? Choose. Choose. Please. Choose not to die. And I know that seems a little, maybe a little flippant, but I have friends and family that I watched at a time in their life give their life to Christ and walk with Christ and walk in a deep relationship with Christ that today they've completely walked away from Him. 
They've made a choice. They chose to die because the death didn't come immediately exactly when they made the choice. They're, 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 they're either ignoring it. In many cases, they are because they know the truth, but they've chosen to spiritually die unless something changes. Please choose not to die. The first truth is this. If you want to avoid temptation, if you want to beat temptation, if you want to deal with temptation, if you want to overcome temptation, if you don't want to let temptation be conceived in your heart or given birth into your life as sin, stay away from the tree. I mean, it's kind of self-evident, and I, I know it wasn't really an apple tree, but we all think it is, so we're just going to roll with that this morning. I mean, it's kind of obvious, stay away from the tree, but... How often do we not? I mean, come on, let's just be practical here this morning. If you didn't really want to do something, it wouldn't be a temptation, would it? I've never in my life felt a temptation towards broccoli. Ever. Have you? Ruthie has. I love her, but she's weird. You hear what she said? Yeah, if you put cheese on it. Okay, I might go there with you. Cheese and broccoli is a different story altogether. That's a whole different food group. We get tempted by the things that we want. But here's the problem. If I want them, I'm drawn to them, I'm attracted to them, stay away from the tree. If it's jealousy over a person, stay away from the tree. Stay away from the person. If it's a friend that's bringing you down, stay away from the tree. If it's some substance or something in your life, stay away from the tree. If it's, a, if, it, if it's a, a certain song on the radio that causes you to want to do certain things or go certain directions with you, stay away from the tree. If you've got friendships or relationships that take you down a bad path, stay away from the tree. That one's, I mean, it, it's so obvious that I, I think we all know it, but we don't always do it. And I, I will tell you it's scriptural. And I, let me just read you Genesis 3. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. Stay away from the tree. You've you got to be honest with yourself and say, Pastor Barry, say God, say Holy Spirit. Look, I see this thing. This is, I mean, you know, we, might, we can all walk around here super pious saying, I don't really have any desire for those things. Liar. Be honest with yourself and God, if you're not honest with anybody else, and, and identify those things and say, I choose to live, I choose to not die. I will stay away from the tree. If you don't, inevitably, there will be tragedy because temptation will give birth and conceive in, 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 into sin, and sin will get, be birthed in you, and it will grow, and it will inevitably bring you to death problem is we think we can let temptation stir around in us and there might be a little conception in there and we're a little okay with that because it feels really good and we kind of play with it and we kind of mess with it for a little bit and we and we think you know it, it'll never really become an issue in my life it'll never give birth I, i'm gonna tell you if there's conception there's birth generally and it may not happen day one day two day three it may take nine months but there will be birth problem isn't that we don't know what sin is and temptation is. Our problem is that even when we walk away from it, we see temptation sitting down there and we know it's a problem in our life and we know we need to deal with it. And we, we, we feel enough, enough self-consciousness or spiritual consciousness or whatever to walk away from it. When we walk away from it, we walk away from it like this. 
What did Joseph do when he was tempted? He ran out of that house as fast as he could run. I don't have any problem running out of the house with broccoli. It's the ice cream that gets me. But you better run. Choose not to die. Choose not to die. Let me give you this second one. Choose to not believe the lie. Again, this one's kind of self-evident, kind of obvious probably, but I'm just going to preach it anyway. Watch my time here a little bit. If you touch that thing, eat that thing, consume that thing, participate in that thing, say that thing, think that thing, it's going to make you happy. It's going to make you better. It's going to give you joy. You deserve joy. You all know that, right? That's the way the lie goes. It's the way the devil works. Never been tempted to jump off the side of a cliff. People say, you know what, if your friends ran off the top of a roof, would you run off the top of a roof with them? How many of you ever heard your parents tell you something like that? Well, I'll be honest with you. If my friends ran off the top of a roof, no, I wouldn't run off with them because there's no joy in falling. But when my friends go and do something and I look at that, I think, you know what, there's value in that, there's pleasure in that, there's joy in that. That's the lie of the devil. And we watch it all over the place, all around us. Jump into that. It'll make your life happier. It'll make your life better. It'll make your life more enjoyable. And you can get away with it. It's the lie of the devil. Nobody will ever know. God had told Adam and Eve, he said, look, if you go out and you eat of that fruit, I'm just going to tell you right now, you will die. The day that you eat of that fruit, you will die. And they made the choice to go and consume of the fruit. And when they didn't fall down dead, although honestly, at that point, I'm thinking, do they even know what dead is? I think death had really been a thing up till then, which is hard for us to imagine. But when they didn't fall dead right in that moment, the devil must have been right. Look what look what I now know. Don't believe the lie. Look, look, look at the lie. Look, look at the lie. It's, it's crazy. This is what he said. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, now, now just, just let's take a minute and parse that a little bit. Let's just take a minute and think about that. You will not surely die. That was the lie. You won't surely die. What they didn't realize is when God said you will surely die, it meant from the moment you partake of that fruit, you are going to begin the process of death. When you're born, you begin to die. Y'all know that, right? You understand what I'm saying? When you're born, you begin to die. When they took of the fruit, they begin to die. The ultimate may not have happened, but they were headed down that path. They were dying day by day. I'm 54 years old. For 54 years old, 54 years, I've been dying. I don't know how many more years I have on the next other side of that, but we all are. Look at the lie. He said, you're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Well, that was true. Wasn't it? Their eyes were opened. He says, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. That was the lie. When you partake of that thing, whatever that thing is, you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be pleasurable. You're going to like it. That's true. It'll make you happy and make your life fulfilled and nobody will ever know. That's the lie. If you want to deal with temptation in your life, folks, the the first thing is stay away from the tree. The second thing is this, though. It's simply choose. And, and, And I say that again. Hear me on this. Choose. Make 
a choice. So much of the problem in the West, in America, is we live our lives based on what we feel, not what we think or what we choose. Make a choice. It's not going to feel good. Walking away from ice cream never feels good. It never feels right. It never feels like what I ought to do. It never feels like what I want to do. But make a choice. You guys laugh in the back. That's because you, you just don't understand. Bob understands. Bob's my friend. He gets it. I got on my bicycle yesterday. I started out. I was going to ride 37 miles. I had a whole route planned out. I, dro- I drove road right past your house, Ginger. It's a wonder you didn't find my body on the road. Because I got about 26. Four miles into this and realized, oh man, I really misjudged this because my 37-mile ride became a 45-mile ride. By the time I got back home and rolled into the driveway, I was at one of those points in life thinking, death is not really that bad. (laughs) It really looks kind of good right now. Jesus, let me come home. But later that night, it... 8 o'clock, I was able to get into the freezer and get my no-sugar-added Klondike bar out and partake. But do you know what Ruthie put in front of that no-sugar-added Klondike bar? I'm not, no, 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 no. Yeah, she, that, I'm not saying she's the devil, so don't take this wrong, but she put this carton of cookie dough, lots of sugar-added ice cream, that I had to move out of the way and reach around, right? Well, I said, that'll be really good, and you just rode 45 miles. You deserve it. That was a lie. Listen to me, folks. Please choose, choose not to die. I don't know what the thing in your life is. I don't know, but it's there. So, Pastor Bray, you don't know. I do know because you're a human being. Living in a sin-cursed world, saved by grace. I don't know what the thing is in your life, but every one of you got a thing. In fact, we probably all got more than one thing. Choose to live. Invest the time to understand what it is that will bring you to death. Read the Word of God. Know what sin is. Choose to not die. I'll give you these last two. I want to share these just real quickly. Um, the third one is, is maybe more of an observation, although I'll show you scripture to support it here in just a moment. Listen to me. Take, now hear me on this, okay? Take great pleasure. Let me emphasize that. Take great pleasure in what you can have, what you can do, and what you can be. It took me a lot of years to figure this out. God gives me a lot more stuff that I can do, I can love, I can participate in, I can enjoy, I can be, than he does things I can't. His list of don'ts and can'ts is really relatively small. I can play basketball. I can play baseball. I can uh, enjoy art. I can listen to music. I can have friends. I can be in relationships. I can drive cars. I can do, there's a lot. I I was trying to find something up there that would kind of show you a graphic of what it means to, to, to all the things you can do. And there's so many of them, I couldn't find one. Take great joy in the things that you 
can do. It, it, it's, it's put this way in, in Genesis. This is, uh, you, you may not have noticed this. This is what was said. He said to the woman, this is what Satan said. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? In, in other words, Satan come along and he said, hey, Eve, did God really tell you that you can't eat of any of those trees out there? I, I don't think it was that he was questioning what God said as much as he was implying, yeah, God told you you can't have any fun. God told you to leave all those trees alone, didn't he? She, re- she corrected him and said, no, that's not what he said. But isn't that the way the devil works on us? Because you can't have this one relationship or because you can't have this one thing or because you can't do this one thing or you can't be this one... What? i got to have that. If I don't have that, there's nothing else in life to make my life worth living. What? That's a lie of the devil. Cheryl loves music. Ginger loves music. Jeremiah loves music. Dennis loves music. You guys take great pleasure in the one thing, the two things, the thousands of things that you love to do. I love math. I'm bizarre. I'm weird. My wife mocks me on a regular basis. At least I get a weekly mocking by her. Because I get up in the morning and I spend an hour every morning just studying, reading, working through problems, algebra, trig, calculus. It's fun. I enjoy it. And it keeps dementia away, which is a side benefit of it. I watch videos. I get on YouTube and I watch videos about math and advanced math and and number theory. And I love that. God's okay with that. I love ice cream. And as much as I make fun of myself about the ice cream, God's okay with that as long as it's done in moderation. Find the things in life that you like, that you love, that you enjoy. It seems like Bob likes yard work. I may be wrong about that, but he seems to put a lot of time and energy and effort into it. And I'm guessing he takes great pride in a beautiful lawn. God's okay with that. Take great pleasure in that. The thing that you love, take great pleasure in it. Don't let the enemy come along and push you into thinking you've got to have that one thing. If you don't want to have that one thing, then, then God's just making your life miserable. He's just keeping you from being what you ought to be. He's keeping you from joy. He's keeping you from fulfillment. He's keeping you from pleasure. It's a lie of the devil. Find all of the things God wants you to do, calls you to do, calls you to be, and then put great joy and effort into those things. And when you do that, all of a sudden that temptation isn't such a temptation anymore. Let me give you this last one. Um, Have a vision, have a direction, have a purpose, have a goal. I put a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger up there because I, I was listening to a leadership podcast this or a leadership video this week. He was talking about the two things that make a successful person in this world. And he was telling how he was born in 1945 in Austria, not a place you wanted to be. It was shortly after World War II. He looked around. There was poverty. There was f- small farms. It was just a, a, not a life he wanted. And he said he went into school one day and saw a video, a, 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 a something on, on at school of America, saw the skyscrapers in New York and the buildings and the cars. And he thought that's what I want in my life. He said a short time after that, I was in the gym and I found this bodybuilding magazine. And in it was the guy that was Mr. Olympia, Mr. Olympic, Mr. I think it was Mr. Olympic. He said, and I looked at the guy that and I read the article about his life and what he did. And I thought that's, that's what I want my life to be. And he said, the best thing that ever happened to me when I was a, a relatively young teenager was I had a vision. I had a purpose. I had a place that I was going to go. And and because of that, my life took on a direction and it kept me from veering this way and veering that way. And people would come to me and say, why do you spend five and six hours in the gym when you're you're 16 years old lifting weights? He says, because I enjoy it. it. It's a pleasure to me. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's painful. But every time I lift another 500 pounds, every time I lift another 500 pounds, it's pointing me towards my purpose and my vision. 
You want to beat the enemy? You want to beat the devil? You want to beat this thing of temptation? Have a purpose in your life. And, and, and maybe the purpose is ministry. I, it, we would all have service and ministry in our life. But, but whatever it is, what I, what I find is temptation usually is the hardest in my life and most people's lives when we don't really have a place we're going. When you're just hanging around with no purpose and no direction and no goals, you're going to get in trouble. We see it in kids all the time, don't we? What's your purpose? What's your direction? What's your vision? What are you working towards? What are you striving towards? What is, what, what is God speaking to you? Do this and go hard after it. I, I, I am pursuing math. I'm pursuing other things too. I'm a pastor and obviously all those things, but as a sideline, it's something I enjoy doing. I want to learn calculus. I want to learn higher mathematics. I'd even love someday to get a master's degree in math because I'm bizarre and it gives Ruthie fodder to mock me, and that's okay. We, it's in good fun, and I laugh every time. Um, but it's, have, have something to invest your life into. You say, Pastor Bear, I don't know what it ought to be. Then maybe I need to have my class again on how to know direction in life. I did some a couple years ago. But find, even, even if you're not 100% sure, find something that's godly and good and put your time and energy and effort into it. If you notice, and would you all stand? We read the Genesis story. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it. He had a purpose. And to keep it. He had a goal. And then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may not surely eat of every tree of the fruit, or uh, every tree of the garden. See, I, I believe there's a reason God gave man purpose, and then he gave him the prohibition, stay away from the, the, the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, because we need a purpose. I want to end with this. If you get up every day and brush your teeth, and I hope you all do, then get up every day and work to deal with temptation. And make the choice to not die. Make the choice to live. Make the choice to not let the devil win. Make the choice to not be a, a statistic. Make the choice to not be the spiritual tragedy. Make the choice to live. God gives us direction, answers. Word, Holy Spirit, Church, utilize it. I'm young enough, I'll probably preach some of your funerals. I don't ever want to have to stand behind a pulpit in front of a people again and have to preach a funeral of somebody that I don't know whether they made it or not. Even more so, I don't want to ever stand before people again and preach pretty convinced that they didn't. Choose to, choose to live. Choose to live. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for this day and your presence and your service. This is my prayer as we get ready to walk out these doors. Holy Spirit, do what really only you can do. Every man and woman and child in this room deals with temptation. Every one of us has something in our life that will bring us down. And I pray this morning that your spirit will not let us sleep tonight, not let us go through this day without dealing with that thing. If there needs to be repentance, God, let this be the day for repentance. If there needs to be a separation from that thing, let this be that day. But I pray, God, today, move deeply, deeply on every heart that we choose to live, we choose life, we choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.